Pepper is an unapologetic bra company for women with small chests, making bras that finally fit and celebrate AA, A, and B cup sizes. Get 10% off your first order by going to wearpepper.com AMR. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com AMR. GoodRx is a free and easy-to-use service that allows you to track prescription drug prices and get free coupons for discounts on your medications. To start saving up to 80% on your prescriptions today, go to goodrx.com AMR. Hey there, it's Sarah. The tables are turned in this episode. It's a crossover with the podcast Defining Endurance. And the host of that show, pregnant mother runner Lexi Miller, asked me all sorts of questions about juggling training and mothering when your kids are at different ages. Uh, It gets kind of personal parts and um, there's some laughter, as there often is. And I hope you enjoy it. Dimity and I will be back in two weeks with a regular episode of AMR Answers. Welcome to Defining Endurance, a podcast focused on providing actionable insights for endurance athletes. Whether you're an athlete just getting started in endurance sports or a veteran looking to gain an edge, the Defining Endurance podcast is here to ask curious questions with athletes and fitness professionals, and most importantly, dive deep on current training topics so you can become the best version of yourself. Let us wait no longer. Let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Defining Endurance. I am Coach Lexi Miller. Super excited today to be joined by uh, Sarah Bowen Shea. Uh, she is an amazing podcaster, mom, author, and just an inspiration to to so many runners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Thanks for having me, Lexi. I'm pleased to be here. So today, I again, I'm just super excited to have to talk about this topic, but motherhood. Um, you know, I work with many athletes, both mothers, fathers, um, uh, you know, people wanting to be in that area of life. And then those who are, you know, moving more towards the grandparent aspect. Um, and it affects all of us in our training and what we're doing. So today we're going to talk about, you know, the different times uh, through childhood and adolescence, post-adolescence, how your training as a mother might change, um, you know, how you can prepare yourself, what to be on the lookout for, and how your goals might change as your child ages. Um, so before we jump into that, I just want more people to, you know, if they haven't already heard your podcast, Sarah, uh, just know a little bit more about you. So tell us about your background. Yes. So I am the mother of three teenagers, a 19-year-old and twin 15-year-olds. And I am co-founder of a on, largely online group called Another Mother Runner that um, my business partner, Dimity McDowell, and I founded sort of um, by happenstance in 2010 when our first book called Run Like a Mother came out. And we just felt that there was a large audience that no one was really talking to, which was moms who were either already runners or looking to get into running and just really foster and encourage that conversation and that movement. And so since then, we have grown another mother runner to be um, an inclusive, uh, vibrant community, like I said, largely online, but we also do in-person retreats. We're um, after a hiatus on them. We are doing another one in October. But so, yeah, we have 
books and the podcast, as you mentioned, online store, all that good stuff. So it's really wonderful because I have run 14 marathons. I've been trying to run my 15th, but um, I'm aiming for Missoula Marathon. It got canceled last year. It got canceled again this year. So, hey, 2022, Missoula, here I come. Uh, so, um, yes, I love running and I love talking about running. So, so how did you start out as a runner? So I dabbled a tiny bit in high school, but I, um, growing up, I was very much a reader, not an active, I come from a very, um, erudite family, very academic family. And so sports was not a part of our family life. And so, but then I went to Colgate university, which is in central New York, not a whole heck of a lot to do, um, at Colgate, unless you're, um, really into drinking or really, um, get into sports. So I chose the latter and joined the rowing team. I'm 5'11". So, um, and rowing is well suited for tall people. So, um, as started running as cross training for that and just really fell in love with, um, being outside and the repetitive motion of the activity. That is so incredible. I think, yeah, a lot of times we kind of find running because we're cross training for a different sport. Um, and it brings us to this lifelong activity. Do you still row at all? I haven't rowed in, gosh, now that I think about, it's maybe been about a decade in all honesty, it just took up a lot of time, you know, to, to, I live, um, I guess I live in Portland, Oregon. I live about two miles from the river and just, there's a lot, you know, it's a very equipment intensive sport compared to uh, running. So, you know, to get in a good hour row takes up close to two hours of your life, whereas to get in an hour long run, boom, it's an hour. So, um, yes, I used to consider myself a rower who ran on the side and, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, I had a paradigm shift and decided I was a, a runner first and foremost. Yeah, I'd say after a 14 marathons, I, I would identify myself <laughs> that way too. Um, but again, yeah, that's so incredible. I, I love to hear people's origin stories of how they came to running. Um, now tell us kind of how the podcast came to be. So that's funny because last night I had drinks with our uh, kind of our original producer. We've had the same producer now for, I don't know, seven, eight years, but there was this guy Jonah before him. And so we kind of went in the way back machine with him. And what it was, was this husband and wife had started a podcast production company here in Portland. And I knew the wife through my former life as a freelance writer and a shoe reviewer for shape magazine. And she had been one of my shoe testers. So she knew about another mother runner and was like, Hey, you guys should do a podcast. So I was like, okay, well, sure, that sounds like fun. I like to talk. And so Dimity and I started doing it every other week. And it was about a 30-minute show. And now we have grown it to be a weekly show that I would say it's rare for an episode to be shorter than an hour, have kind of a rotating cast of co-hosts. But then also now we do, and that comes out on Friday, but now every week we either do a show called AMR Answers or AMR Trains. So it's really kind of grown into this little empire podcast, but it was mainly, I don't know, just a new way to reach people. And now it's really the main door that people come to another mother runner through. And, um, I just love it. It, it, I, I end up on a high after pretty much every recording episode. I'm sure you can relate Lexi. It's just, you go, Oh, that was such a good conversation. Oh my gosh. So much great information and fun and laughs and all this stuff. So I, I oftentimes have to, um, like, bake or sweep or do something uh, afterwards to kind of come down from the buzz. 
the post podcast buzz. Definitely. No, I record I had recorded two today. I had to like take a nap in between because I was, I was getting too riled up and I was yes. like, yes. you know, I, I need to bring it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Some sometimes I walk the dog, you know, yeah. something. I'm like, okay, okay, I got the jangles. How can I get rid of them? <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I love the enthusiasm. And you know, you talked about how you felt like kind of mothers were underserved. Talk a little bit more about, you know, whether it was a book or something else that that kind of inspired you to start reaching out to this population. Actually, it was so uh, Run Like a Mother, which is our first of three books, was born out of a feature that we wrote for Runner's World magazine. Dimity and I were both contributing editors for the magazine. And in 2007, well, actually, in 2006, Dimity was pregnant with her second child. She'd had postpartum depression after her first child. And so she knew that she needed a goal to get her out, keep her motivated and kind of pull her out of her head. And so she said, okay, I need to run a marathon after I have this second baby. She thought, who can I call who will say yes to training quote unquote with me? So virtually, and she thought of me, thankfully. So I said yes in 2006, thinking she'd forget about it, uh, in all honesty. But then in 2007, she was like, okay, what marathon are we running? So we trained um, virtually. She's in Denver and I'm in Portland. So it's not like we could go on runs together. And so we pitched it to Runner's World as, oh, let's do a feature about two busy moms with young kids training for a marathon and reaching that goal. And so then I was like, okay, that's awesome. We got a feature but how about we um, blog about it on runnersworld.com in part so we could make some extra coin while we were <laughs> training. So um, so doing that blog on runnersworld.com, we were the marathon moms and we just really tapped into an audience that way. And it's amazing. I mean, there are still women to this day who are like, oh, I've been following you guys since Runner's World. I was like, whoa, you are an OG mother runner. That is very, very flattering. So fun. So we just that we felt that was a um at the time, you know, believe it or not, there were not a million, you know, uh, mom bloggers and mother runner bloggers or on Inst- you know, Instagram didn't exist. And so it was um like I said kind of an underserved um, audience that wasn't being spoken directly to. So after that we pitched a book and then our publisher said you guys have to promote it on social media and go around the country and so they footed the bill um for us traveling around. We um spoke at uh, bookstores, that sort of thing. And just, it, it grew from there. That's so cool. And that must've been like such an inspirational thing to do or to realize like how many people you're reaching. You know, one of those things, like when you're training for a marathon, you can be a little bit single-minded where you're like, this is my goal. This is what I'm doing. And then to have people following it, I can't imagine, you know, how exciting and motivating that must've been. Well, it's also that because you know, certainly we gave of ourselves to to that experience, but we got tenfold back. And I remember, um, I'm thinking specifically about the race that I ended up um, having my marathon PR at, which is Eugene Marathon uh, 2009. And just uh, when I was flagging during that race, I could feel, literally feel the support and encouragement of our community behind me. You know, and I just asked all of them. I was so nervous about really trying to go hard and keep the my, you know my foot on the gas for the whole race. And so, asked some women in our community, like, how do you do that? What when the pain comes, how do you move toward it instead of receding from it? And during those final miles, you know, I definitely 
definitely could feel that. And I'm thinking specifically about this woman, Mary in Louisiana, that still, you know, follows us. And when I see her, I think about that race and I think about the support and everything. So um, it, it the road goes both ways for the support thing. For sure. No, I think, you know, drawing that inspiration from the people around you, um, you know, when I, when I find myself in those hard moments in, in a marathon or ultra, I often think about like what the athletes I coach have, got, like what they've pushed mm-hmm. through and like most of them have much busier, crazier lives than I do. And it's like, they, they push through, they find that strength. Like I'm sure I can find part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's so yeah. incredible what the running community has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, You've spoken to so many people about so many different aspects of motherhood. You've written books. Um, today, I just, you know, of course, this is somewhat selfish, as we mentioned. Uh, for those listening at the time of this recording, I'm about 32 weeks pregnant. So I'm very much thinking about motherhood. It's hard to think about anything else. Um, so, you know, today I thought we could just, you know, talk about your experience as much as you would like anecdotally you know, what you've heard from others and just kind of go through advice of how to be an amazing mother runner. Um, to start, what what was the biggest thing that helped you balance training and motherhood? Oh, I would say, um, gosh, I'm almost stumped by that question. Um, I would say trusting that my partner would be able to handle the home front while I was gone, knowing that the house wouldn't burn down or be covered in, you know, poop or, you know, the, the social services be called because the whales were so loud, you know? Um, so just knowing that my presence was not needed 24 seven, that I gave myself permission to walk out the door, close it and leave it behind. And, you know, our first book uh, definitely talks a lot about leaving the mommy guilt behind and putting yourself, I mean, a credo of another mother runner is putting yourself first on your to-do list occasionally. And I think I'm uh, very, I'm pretty good at that, but it's tougher when you're, when your children are particularly very young. And so just being like, it's okay the you know, the, things will not fall down in shambles. When I leave, there is someone else in this house who is capable enough, you know, maybe won't do it exactly like I would do it or the way I think it should be done. But it, you know, the, 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 I, we have, like I said, a singleton and then twins, you know, the, the child or the children will still be alive and perhaps even thriving when I get back. That is such great advice. And, um, you know, recently I, w- I was reading a book, um, raising an emotionally intelligent child. And they talked about the importance of trusting your partner and how, you know, that is so important for your relationship and important for the child's growth to know that the parents trust what the other one's doing. And so that's, I think, amazing advice. Um, you know, and then I kind of just want to start going through the age groups and, you know, you've, you, like you said, you have 15 year olds and a 19 year old. So you've seen it all, you've trained through it all. So starting out with infancy, what's important for parents to know while they keep the the balance in their lives? Well, definitely for, for mothers, I think one important thing is to wait long enough to go on that first run, that first postpartum run, because you're going to think everything feels good and is back in place, but boy, it is, it is not, it has, you know, things have loosened, things have shifted and 
I remember vividly my first postpartum run after giving birth to the twins and I had a C-section for them. And so I thought, oh, my, you know, my incision or what is going to be sore while I run. Forget about that. I was so (laughs) cognizant of how my larger than normal milk filled breasts were bouncing on that run. Then I just remember there's this one hill that I oftentimes come down. It's about a mile from my house. And I just finally had to just put my hands on one hand on each boob and just hold it in place because the up and down was just too much. And so I could, you know, I couldn't even go, you know, what a, a foot lower and feel the scar, you know, it was just like, no, 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 it's the boobs that are bothering me. So, um, so make sure that you are fully, you know, physically well to get back out there, you know, your joints and all that stuff will have loosened up. So don't push yourself too hard. Um, be kind to yourself, mix in walking if you need to, because hopefully you have a long time ahead of you to resume your glorious running career. If you had one before you became a mom, you'll get back to it. I mean, I've, I've done all, but let me think about this all, but I've done a dozen of my marathons after becoming a mom. So, um, you'll get back there. It just will go easy on yourself. It'll take some time. So I have to ask, were you training while you're pregnant with twins? So I wouldn't say training. No, I had, um, I did IVF to have our twins. We conceived our um, first child the old fashioned way, but, um, and I had some spotting after a run at maybe seven weeks. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I, it really scared me. It scared me a lot and I don't scare easily. And I remember calling the nurse and she was like, you know, you've worked really hard to get here. Why don't you st- you know, ease off on the running. And, um, with my first pregnancy, I ran up until seven and a half months. And I had, um, I went on a trail run. I live in Portland. If anybody knows Portland, the trails almost exclusively are all on the West side. We live on the East side. So it takes like on a 15, 20 minutes to drive to a trail. So I was sticking to the roads, except on the weekends. And every weekend I would go on a trail run. So I had this goal of not tripping like that, that I wanted to make it through the nine months without tripping because I was like, Oh, I can't fall on my belly. And so, um, I just remember like one week, um, one Saturday, I felt great on my trail run. And by the time Thursday rolled around, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going on that trail run on Saturday. Like things can just shift in a matter of days that make it be like, mm, nope. So I stopped running and switched to swimming, which just felt so good. So who knows, Lexi, maybe you're close to that point. <laughs> yep. I, I've been enjoying, I, I try and get out and run, like run a couple of times a week, but otherwise biking and aqua jogging have been, have been the, you know, kind of the saving grace mm. on like that back pain, you know, that it, it almost feels like it takes some of that pressure off the round ligament pain and just kind of oh, supports my belly and the water. for a little bit. I mean, the, um, the you know, mm-hmm. the, just the relief of the pressure, you know, and like the, I don't know, this, the being in water feels so good while pregnant, at least for me, it did. Absolutely. And then, yep, it's exactly some days it's, I start out like I call it trail running, but I'll mm-hmm. hike up the mountain and then jog down. Uh, and the jog down is at most like a 13 minute pace. (laughs) This is what it is. Yeah. Um, but no, I think like definitely feel free to, to get personal about anything in this episode. I think that that's what people need to hear. We tend to sugarcoat things so much as a society that I, I've been feeling as a pregnant woman, like I go to research something and it's, 
you know, I'm like, well, where's the information? Why is no one else experiencing this? Well, they have, well if, I can't if, we're, if you're going to say that, like, if you're going to open that door, because um, TMI is definitely a cornerstone of another mother runner, which is um, leakage postpartum that I can't tell you how many women we talk to or hear from online that they talk about how they leak every run. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There is no excuse for that. There are PTs you can work with. There are treatments that can be done. If it comes to it, there can be surgery, but you should not be feeling like, you know, a toddler who can't, you know, stop from wetting their pants when you run. And, you know, you shouldn't be like, oh, I have to wear black bottoms because otherwise I'll, you know, look like I sat in a puddle. No, like, oh my goodness. It's just, um, there is just really no need to put up with leakage. There's, there's options. I think that's again, so good to hear because I it was one of the first um, athletes I was lucky enough to coach with someone who was coming back from having a baby. And that was a conversation we had where I was like, I don't think you should be having this problem. And it was, she had to go back to a physical therapist for another couple of months. Yeah. And it, it really doesn't take that many visits with someone who's trained specifically with pelvic floor issues, you know, and that you can use sensors and, you know, the, like little kind of weights and I'll let people use their imagination for when it comes to that. You know, you can do things that help you while you're cooking dinner. You can, there are <laughs> tricks that you can be doing and it really doesn't take all that much. I just needed, um, I had to push for six and a half hours with my first child and when I went to my two week postpartum visit, my doctor said, okay, I don't see any problems now, but um, I think that you might be at risk for having anal leakage down the road. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what can we do to make that not happen? Because that, I don't want that phrase said in my presence ever again. So, <laughs> so I went to a PT and, you know, just I don't know, a handful of visits, six, maybe six visits and problem solved. That's so good. I mean, yeah. And again, I think it's important for women to hear things like this or any person, you know, we all have experienced embarrassing things with our body and we don't know that that's a reason to go ask for help. I'm kind of on the same vein. If you're comfortable talking mm -hmm. about it, I kind of like to hear your experience with if you were also training while going through IVF, it's, you know, I know it's just so hard on a woman's body. It's for such an important thing, but it, it really takes a toll. So if you're comfortable talking a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I did, again, they, they were, you know, that when you're trying to stimulate the follicles and all that stuff, you get kind of, you know, bloated and kind of heavy feeling and things like that. So I, I stopped running during that period. It wasn't a very long time and um, seemed like an important reason to uh, put running by the wayside for a little while. So, I mean, I would do elliptical, I swam more, I cycled. And, um, you know, I, when we're bef the, the months before doing IVF, you know, when we were struggling um, with secondary infertility, you know, I struggled a lot with wondering if my running was what was keeping me from getting pregnant a second time. And, you know, it wasn't like I was training so hard that I had amenorrhea or anything like that. But, you know, the, the um, you know, conventional medicine likes to throw women under the bus. And so, you know, they're, of course, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, your 25 miles a week is what's keeping you, you know, from conceiving. And I just thought, talk to the hand, you know, I'm, I'm going out there. It's what I need to stay in my happy place because there was a lot of sadness and a lot of things feeling out of control. And so being able to, um, you know, take the reins on my life occasionally, you know, a 
couple times a week, that felt good to me. So. No, that totally makes sense. And I really appreciate you being kind of vulnerable and open talking about that. Um, I mean, your kids are doing wonderfully now. So, it, you know, th everything worked out, but I know it can be <laughs> such a hard journey for so many women. Mm -hmm. um, but now mm -hmm. jumping back, mm -hmm. oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, jumping back into the infancy thing. I mean, um, I, the other tough thing to juggle is if you um, opt to breastfeed. Um, so, and I was very adamant about breastfeeding. I actually um, enjoyed breastfeeding my children. And so, you know, timing your runs around breastfeeding can be a challenge, but it can certainly be done. I am a, um, I am a mom and I'm, I'm all about scheduling. And so I definitely, um, in the, you know, in the early weeks I, I breastfed on demand, but after that, my kids were on a schedule, they're on my schedule. And so, I mean, I, I listened to them, but I, I figured out a schedule. And so, you know, very much timed my runs based on that because I did my first, um, uh, marathon as a mother when my older daughter was 14 months old and I, uh, weaned her the week that I was tape, you know, <laughs> the week leading up to the marathon. And oh my goodness, I ran that marathon with rock hard breasts. They were just like, you know, full of milk. And I kept thinking, oh, I'm sure by the time I cross the finish line, you know, it will have all jiggled out. Nope. <laughs> so it wasn't uncomfortable, but uh, it uh, was a choice maybe some people would not have made. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I knew an athlete who uh, I think it was at New York. She sent her breast pump like in the in the bag to the finish line. So that, that was like the first thing she could do when she finished was, was get the milk out. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, so yeah. Pepper is an unapologetic bra company for women with small chests. They make everyday bras that finally fit and celebrate double A, A, and B cup sizes. Pepper's mission is one that we can totally get behind to empower women to be supremely confident and proud of their bodies. Pepper bras fit small chested women so well. With Pepper bras, there are no more cup gaps, even as you bend, move, and lift up your arms. Pepper bras provide natural lift and cleavage without bulky push-up padding. The magic is in the cups that hug and scoop you like the most flattering pair of yoga pants. My favorite feature of Pepper bras are the fabrics. They are incredibly silky smooth and luxurious to the touch, so you don't have to compromise quality with the scratchy teens department bras anymore. Growing up with a big busted mother and older sister, I always thought eventually I'd grow bigger breasts. In my mid-twenties, I had an epiphany. It wasn't happening. So Pepper Bras are perfect for me. The all-you bra offers underwire support with optimized curve, so it sits comfortably and securely on my chest. Signature mesh lifts from the bottom up for a flattering fit, while flattering yet not excessive padding provides modesty. All made in, like I said, the most scrumptious fabric. I can't emphasize that enough. It's no wonder small-chested women are obsessed with these bras. They've been sold out multiple times this year, have thousands of five-star reviews, and are super buzzy in the media. Glamour calls it the perfect bra for small boobs. Pepper's most popular styles and sizes sell out fast. So head today to wearpepper.com AMR for 10% off your first order. That's W-E-A-R pepper.com AMR for 10% off your first order. Wearpepper.com AMR. I know Dipsy ads aren't everyone's cuppa, but we've heard from numerous women who express their sincere gratitude to us for introducing them to the Audio Erotica app. Dipsy is the audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. Each Dipsy audio stories features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. With a wide array of situations, you're sure to find a favorite, no matter what turns you on or who you're into. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on. That's my current fave. Or that barista who seems as sweet as simple syrup. 
or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. The choice is yours. And with new content released every week, there's always more options to explore and discover. My 21st wedding anniversary is later this week, and I appreciate Dipsy for fanning the flame of desire, because let's be real, 21 years is a long time to keep it burning. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash AMR. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash AMR, dipsystories.com slash AMR. As anyone who knows me would testify, I love to save money. So I was elated to learn about GoodRx. GoodRx is a free and easy to use service that allows you to track prescription drug prices and get free coupons for discounts on your medications. With GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices for your prescriptions across 70,000 pharmacies like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Walmart, and more to find the best discount available for you. GoodRx is often cheaper to use than your insurance copay or Medicare. Millions of Americans use GoodRx to get affordable health care every month, and you better believe I immediately started using it once I compared prescription prices on the GoodRx site. As a family of five, we have numerous prescriptions to fill and refill every month. I just had an eye virus, don't ask, that required one pill and two eye drops to cure. If I'd known to use GoodRx, I could have saved nearly $75 on one of the eye drops alone. As soon as I spied those savings on GoodRx, you better believe I downloaded the GoodRx app for the next time. To start saving up to 80% on your prescriptions today, go to goodrx.com slash AMR. That's G-O-O-D-R-X dot com slash AMR to start saving up to 80% on your prescriptions. GoodRx is not insurance, but can be used instead of insurance. In 2020, GoodRx users received an average savings of over 70% off retail prices. As you talked about the bra support, um, all those little things that, you know, maybe you're not thinking of, you know, as you're getting ready for the race, but are going to be huge changes. Yeah, it was the one um, postpartum was the only time I ever had to double bag it. Let's say I am um, not all that large busted. So it was the only time I've ever had to wear two sports bras because it was just I wasn't used to having so much. So it sounds like infancy, you know, we, you're probably dealing with lack of sleep, you're dealing with body changes, balance issues. So we move into like toddlerhood, early childhood, um, preschool age. What, what is important for a mother to know as she continues training? I think it goes back to the, um, when you close that door, you can't hear them crying because, you know, that is kind of the age where they'll miss you more you know, mommy, mommy, don't leave. Well, you have to remind yourself that pretty much out of sight, out of mind, you know, yes, you might be able to hear them crying as you go make your way down your driveway or to the end of your block. After that, you can't hear them and they're going to forget about the fact that they miss you too much. I mean, okay, maybe there is a kid like my French bulldog who will still miss you the whole run, but, um, you know, they're going to get distracted. They're going to start playing with their blocks or, you know, their partner or caregiver is going to, you know, your partner or caregiver is going to read them a book or something. They're going to be okay. That's part of their life. It, it's an important life lesson that you can't always have what you want right when you want it. So, you know, and going out for that run lets you, the mother, come back and be a better parent for the rest of the day. And so just remembering that you're doing everybody a favor, actually, by going on your run. So, um, I would say, you know, it was, I'm just trying to think of, gosh, I should, should have written down a timeline of some of my marathons and how old my kids were during them. 
Um, well, I mean, you know, the, that race, Eugene, that I mentioned, my uh, twins were four years old when I uh, ran that race. So that was a, uh, that was, that's my PR. That was a really tough training cycle. Um, and you know, they got, they got by the, the one thing that is really a big change is with kids that age is the post run recovery. You know, you have to hit the ground running. There is no putting your feet up on the couch. There is no watching some Netflix when you get back. You know, when I have teenagers, they don't notice when I leave, they don't notice when I come home, they're probably still asleep. But, you know, you come back and you, you've got three-year-olds, you got to maybe fit in a shower, get some food, and then you are back out there. You are going to the park, you are, you know, going to a music together class, whatever it is. And it's just like, there's no rest for the weary. So um, it's, um, you really kind of have to be up for that challenge. And, and maybe I would say if there is any time where I would say, um, just kind of go into maintenance mode, it would be when your kids are. So did you run with them in a stroller or were you more of a proponent of, of getting a little bit of alone time? I'm all about the alone time. I, I, uh, was a freelance writer when my kids were that age. And I, uh, one of my specialties was, uh, gear reviews. So I did a fair number of stroller reviews. And so certainly I had some testers and they, you know, would plop them in and go for runs, but that's just, that's not my jam. Um, I, um, you know, I really admire the heck out of women who do run with their kids, um, either out of necessity or choice. There are a lot of women who really enjoy that time and, you know, talk to their kids and sing with them. That's, I'm a, um, uh, the word selfish maybe has a negative connotation. I don't mean it to have a negative connotation. I like to go out there and it's my run. You know, I get to listen to my music or talk to my friend, you know, go on a route that I choose, not because like, oh, there's no cars and it's flatter and, you know, all that stuff. Like it, it's, it is my me time. Oh, definitely. Sure. No, I think that a lot of times training is kind of the one thing that a lot of people do for themselves. Um, and so whether it's like taking a break from a job, your partner, your kids, you know, or, or leaving the, the French bulldog at home for a little bit, like you just, you just have that alone time, um, or with a friend, if that's, you know, how you prefer to kind of spend that, that time. Um, so I think again, that's so good to hear. Yeah. I have to say, you mentioning the dog who is my baby now. So it's, it's pertinent to mention him that, uh, so when I got a dog, he's, um, I guess he'll be four this year. So when I got Augie, people were like, Oh, did you get a dog you could run with? I was like, no, I do not want to run with a dog. <laughs> like that, that again is some people's jam. It is not what I'm looking for. You know, a French bulldog, that would be cruel and unusual punishment to make him go. Oh, yeah, his poor me, little so. nose wouldn't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And his short little muscular legs. Oh, he just as if on cue, he just ran by oh, the window. I I love I love uh you know this Zoom world or in in the interview I did earlier today, there was a cat walking around. I get so distracted by people's pets. Uh, I have a very I have a very old dog, so he used to be my running buddy and then has now transitioned to my, oh. my hiking buddy, but it it's definitely a different life nice. to to run with a animal versus just when you can go and not have to stop and sniff and yep yes yes we used to have a cat that would it was an indoor outdoor cat and we live in the city and he would never fail run out to greet me when i got back and he would just completely flop down and ask to have his belly rubbed and i sure yeah. do miss him pets so. are the best uh, <laughs> speaking i mean again yeah we're talking about kids but aren't they also kind of our <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fur babies. Yeah, that makes you a mother runner to be have exactly. fur babies. Yep. Um, so 
okay, we get through toddlerhood, we get through that early childhood, uh, you know, the kids miss us and and you have that that kind of mom guilt. I just listened to your episode on mom guilt. Uh, so now we, we get to <laughs> early childhood, that elementary school age. What's going on? Well, so um, I, when you told me what we'd be talking about, I thought so much about my partner, business partner, Dimity, which is she set the goal to, for herself to do an Ironman. And so she opted to do it while her kids were in elementary school because she just felt it was that sweet spot. They wouldn't miss her too badly, yet they also wouldn't be needing to be driven, you know, all over kingdom come on their own schedule. Again, you you have, I don't want to say control of your children because that sounds... Um, uh, not very polite, but, um, you know, that, that, you know, you can be like, oh, okay, well you, you can tell yourself, well, okay, I'm going to, in the case of Dimity, you know, okay. So she had a, you know, Iron Man in let's say June. So then maybe she could tell herself, well, Ben doesn't seem to really love soccer that much. So maybe I just won't put him in spring soccer because then right there, that's one thing off your to-do list is getting him to soccer. So you can kind of tailor your schedule, your family schedule, better to suit yourself when they're elementary school. Whereas, you know, by the time they're sixth through, you know, grade and beyond, they're going to be like, Hey mom, I'm doing X, Y, and Z and you got to get me there. And so I think, um, you know, that's definitely when I did the bulk of my marathons was when my kids were in elementary school. It just, there's demands, but they're not overly pressing and kids are much more self-sufficient. You know, they can get themselves a bowl of cereal. If you're out of the house, they can, you know, work the remote, you know, get a book down from the shelf, whatever it is they want to do while you're out of the house. And they don't miss you all that much, you know, um, you kind of become, start to become superfluous. Yeah. Kind of that, that object permanence is, is embedded in their head a little bit more and they're like, they'll come back. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so then we move into that preteen adolescence, middle school, high school age. What, what changes happen to you there? Yeah. So, I mean, well, that's a stage where um, it can happen earlier, but I mean, a lot of parents, not myself, but a lot of parents have their kids run with them, um, you know, and that's a really nice alternative. Um, Mike, I ran occasionally with my younger daughter. My kids are just not runners. And so, um, you know, that can be fun. We um, hear from a lot of mother runners who they run with their kids and, you know, like their kids are on cross country and they'll slow down to run with their mom, Um, you know, maybe for a recovery run. Um, and you know, by the time your kids are high school, definitely they, they don't care whether you're in the house or out of the house. Maybe it's even better if you're out of the house. So, um, you know, that's the time to, you know, maybe go on a, um, you know, a, a couple of away races with girlfriends, you know, or, you know, take on the Paris marathon, whatever your budget allows and, and the pandemic allows. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, and I mean, for me, I think about when I think about my kids when they were in school, one of the constraints became Saturdays were about watching their sports. So soccer, basketball. Um, so, you know, I can think of many a uh, run that had to end at a many a long run marathon training run that ended at a basketball game and would have my family like bring a change of clothes for me. There was one that springs to mind of a very, very rainy kind of March. So it was cold run and then, you know, make it in time to see my younger daughter um, have a really amazingly exciting basketball game. So just 
you know, sometimes you have to get up earlier than you like going back to, um, you know, I don't know. It seems almost going back to babyhood to have to wake up extra early to do something, but yeah. So it sounds like your kids are pretty active, even though they're, they're not runners like you. Do you feel like you're running inspired them? Huh? You know, um, I don't know necessarily, you know, they, they, it's funny. One of their, um, good friends, um, who we take on a lot of family trips and stuff like that. She calls me mother runner rather than referring to me by name. So, and I, and a lot of my kids' friends follow another mother runner on social media and which cracks me up that, you know, we have, uh, you know, high schoolers following our Instagram account. So I know they're aware of what I do and, you know, I've always worked from home so they could see it happening. I don't know if they really are all that impressed by what I do athletically, to be quite honest. The main thing is um, I am known for um, finding a lot of delight when I find change on a run, meaning coins and on good days, dollar bills or whatever, paper money. So that's always a topic of conversation in our house. That's the main thing. They don't, they don't care how far I want. They want to know how much money I found on my run. And in Portland, thankfully that answer is often kind of. Impressive. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It's, it's a big city and uh, that's great. That's such a fun yeah. hobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so last question, what, what is your advice for, for a mother runner? Get out the door. I mean, whether it's go down to the basement on the treadmill or, go to the track and, you know, I don't know, have some toys for your kid who can be in the infield while you run around the track or just getting out the door and leaving it all behind. I mean, like I said, putting yourself first on the to-do list, you know, reminding yourself the importance of self-care, which running we think is, is so important. And it makes you, you know, uh, Dimity and I say this a lot, makes you, uh, you know, more patient mother, a better you know, partner or spouse, uh, you know, a more productive employee, a more, engaged friend, you know, all of those things just makes you a better person to take that time and do something active for yourself. And because I also love the great thing about running is it gives you an identity outside of perhaps motherhood or whatever your profession is, or, you know, caregiver to a parent or something like that. So that um, we can kind of lose ourselves in motherhood and running really gives you something you can hang your hat on. That's so great. Uh, thank you again so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Yes, they can find us at anothermotherrunner.com. Please listen to the Another Mother Runner podcast. On Instagram, we are at the Mother Runner, and um, I'm at SBS on the Run on Twitter. Thank you so much. Have a really great rest of your day, and thank you everyone else for joining us. Yeah, good luck with uh, the rest of your pregnancy, Lexi. Thank you. Thank you.